This is Keenan, joined by Kyle. This is the Warner Brothers Podcast, coming here with a little quick episode right before Game 3 of the NBA Finals. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm great. What's up? How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, quick thing that I wanted to mention prior to us getting into this. I randomly was listening... I was listening to songs on the way home, just had it on shuffle. And obviously, we all know the song Into Club by 50 Cent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you have a song that's so popular like that and you hear it in the club, you kind of forget to listen to the lyrics at times because you just listen to like the important lines or like the, uh, sorry, the most memorable lines, I should say. Yep. He was really rapping in that song. Like, and you, I think it just gets like lost and forgotten at times. Like he was really rapping in that song. I, I don't know why it just hit me today. Like it was just like he was actually. It wasn't just like kind of a song he just threw out. Not that it was the same as say like maybe like a many men or whatever. But you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those songs that's like overplayed. But it's like wherever you go on a Saturday, you can guarantee you're gonna hear it yeah. at least once, kind of thing. Yeah. Somewhere. Um. You know, depending obviously, but yeah, it's just one of those songs that will be around for eternity so yeah kind of you kind of do lose the greatness of what you know you know the rapping ability in the song and you know the songwriting mm-hmm. in it but yeah absolutely great song it's one of those i hate hearing like i could i could go the rest of my life without hearing into club because i've heard it so many times you know what i mean like yeah it, for sure it might as well be the actual happy birthday song because that's that's how synonymous with birthdays you know, with fifty and you know, with the club too. I like that's say something to making love, so come get like yeah, no, you just right? hear it and you're like you, you everybody knows the song regardless of like if you listen to hip hop or not. That's just one of those songs where it's like, Oh, I know that. Even like your sixty year old mom will be like, Oh, I know that song. I've heard that one before. Like yeah. <laughs> it's it's omnipresent. It, it's yes. omnipresent. Yes. But yeah, shouts to 50, shouts to 5th, um, and G-Unit. It's funny because me and Winston have been talking about and just, like, naming a bunch of random, like, you know, 2000s clothing lines we wear as kids. And, you know, South Pole. I, me- <laughs> yeah. I mentioned how I was going to get G-Unit sneakers before. So we're going to Summer Jam this weekend. So I mentioned I was going to get a pair of G-Unit sneakers. And I looked them up and I was like, you know what? For how much they've aged, like it's absolutely been over 20 years yeah. since they popular, but still some fresh sneakers. Definitely still some fresh sneakers. Can you get but some FUBU jeans too? It's a FUBU jersey. FUBU jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was not how I expected this to start, but I'm fine with it. How have you felt about the series so far? It's been a good series. I expected a split. Uh, game two was a weird game. We obviously we haven't been in here since before the series. Game mm-hmm. one was, you know, I want to say a classic, but game one was at least a very entertaining game. It's been a very entertaining series for sure. It has uh, been. You know, game one you have the comp. You have first of all you have Curry, you know, being vintage Curry. I kind of hate saying that, but it was it was vintage Curry six threes in the first. Uh, Golden State looks like they're running away with it. It was kind of an up and down game. Boston would climb back into it. Golden State would go up. Boston takes over the fourth. They run away with the game. They win by double digits. And then game two, which wasn't the greatest officiated game at no. all on both ends, especially on Boston's end. I feel like Boston didn't get calls that Golden State did, but that I, in no way really impacted the game because exactly the Celtics, what I think too. The Celtics shot 35% on two point shots. That being said, 
the officiating has been so there's been so much I like about the officiating, but you really can tell like in certain series, like like for instance, I mentioned the game seven. They were really trying to let Miami get back into it. They were letting Miami get away with a lot in that game seven. Mm-hmm. Like Boston's up ten, you know? Um, so whereas tonight you might see them let a lot go. Whoever loses this game tonight, you know, I feel like they're gonna get more leeway in game four. Um I don't know, there's just too many whether it's Scott Foster, whether it's Tony Brothers. Tony Brothers. Tony Brothers is probably known the most for, you know Zach Zarba is it? Question, questionability. Yeah, Zach Zarba is another one. Like those three are you know, they're three of the most well known refs and probably for the wrong reasons. You mm. know what I mean? Uh there used to be I don't want to get on a ref fucking you know diatribe here, but you know, there used to be the refs you knew, yeah, they were known for being, you know, either either like a, a stickler, you know, a little strict, but Joey one Crawford. way or another, they'd have yeah, Joey Crawford or even before that, Dick Lavetta, Steve Javi, who you see, like you knew those names, A, because they were good and yeah, maybe sometimes they didn't have the best games, but they had control of the game. You know, I think sometimes a lot of the a lot of times, uh, you know, these refs can kind of lose control of the game in some ways, you know, or lose confidence in their calls and they're going to the monitor a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's Um, a lack of not, I don't want to say it in this way. It's going to come out this way. Like a lack of respect in the sense, like Joey Crawford garnered some like merit, I'll say where like, he just wasn't going to put up with it. Like he drew a line and everyone knew exactly what that line was. It was never wishy-washy. You knew going into a Joey Crawford led officiated game, exactly what you could get away with. And there was no leeway from that. So if you went over that line, but sometimes it feels like in today's game, you'll have a Tony Brothers game where it's like, okay, I can push you more than I can last game. So like the first quarter seems to be feel out quarters every time because you never know the difference between game two in Golden State could be the difference from game five in Golden State, but you just don't know yet with the same. I would would say... Like I would say game two, I would say the first the first six to eight minutes of the first quarter had a good flow to it. I and agree. then after that after that it's just a bunch of calls. So like they're they're kind of switching up, you know, how the the style of play mid game, which which is tough. But, you know, like I said, Boston didn't shoot well at all, especially from two. Like they couldn't make shit. Uh, I mean, Golden State didn't play the greatest game. Curry's obviously had a really good series. He hasn't had much help. They were the most physical team. Um, they came out like a team that needed to win the game. And Boston yeah. came out like a team. They came out and they played hard, but like, unlike in game one when the Warriors punched them in the mouth in the third quarter, they came back. They're like, okay, we're going to fight. We're going to be resilient. They got punched in the mouth again in that third quarter. They're, part of it was the Warriors not letting that lead up, but other part of it was like almost, it felt kind of a little bit like Boston was like, yeah, we knew what we came for and we got what we needed to done not that they weren't playing hard obviously because they were playing hard it was only like a two-point game at halftime but just in that third quarter the resilience and the fight back wasn't it didn't feel the same as it did in game one to me at least yeah i mean i I semi agree with that i wouldn't say i wouldn't say they backed off or let off the pedal or anything i think they were playing hard but they were really dismissing shots i do think golden state was the more physical team and Mm -hmm. definitely came out a little hungrier. Like Draymond was, his stat line won't reflect it, but Draymond was doing what Draymond does. He was talking all kinds of shit. He was being physical. I mean, first um, play was a 
top of the key Al Horford jump ball because Draymond just went in there and tried to rip it from him. Like first play of the game, so you could that kind of just set the tone for the entire game. Even though Boston got up early, but it still just set the tone like the Warriors were going to come out here regardless of the outcome. It was going to be a dogfight for 48 minutes. Yeah, and uh, they kind of they gave Draymond a leash, which was kind of weird. Like <laughs> they, they they always do that. Though. Once, he, once they get once he gets that second technical or the first technical, the second one's not coming unless he does something like egregious, and I mean like egregious, egregious. Like he can really toe that line. Which is which is exactly what I mean with the refs like not not being consistent because you either gotta you either gotta give him a long leash the whole time or not you know what I mean not give him that first tech or or be quick with it because like that one with Jalen that's a double tech all day like there that's you know this is the worst part I hate the double techs because they always I've seen so many times where you know one of the players doesn't deserve it they might be reacting or they might even be looking I've seen times where you know a player might get pushed. And that other player is going to come back, not even looking for a physical confrontation. He might just say something back to his face, and they're calling double T's. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, Jalen Brown did deserve a technical there. Right, he didn't get but, one, obviously, but like he didn't like in a normal scenario. That's a double tech, as you were saying. The double and, T and Draymond's out of the game. He, I'm, I'm he glad they didn't, but I same. mean, I wish they were more consistent. I wish they were more consistent. I wish but, those things. I wish things like the Draymond Green play with Jalen Brown. I wish those could happen more without it being a double tech. Like I, right. like obviously, like the standard that's been set in today's NBA is that would be a double technical, and Draymond should have been removed from the game. But I'm fine. Obviously, the regular season and playoffs. If you just make a complete switch, then I'm good with it because obviously it's a different. It's pretty much a different season as everybody. You have an 82-game season and a 16-game season. Everyone says that. So if you have a completely different officiating kind of system and people know that going in, then sure. But then you have, like, to go to the early, you have Memphis and uh, Minnesota. Well, that first quarter lasts, like, 45 minutes because there were so many fouls because they called everything. And then you have, say, Heat-Celtics game seven in the fourth quarter where – Kyle Lowry could pretty much punch someone in the gut and no one would have called it. So, like, it's just, and those are obviously both playoff games. So, it's kind of like find that fine line and just stick to what you're going to do. I don't know. I I wish they would do that as refs because the refing's been so inconsistent, which is the worst thing about it. it bad, at least it was good to be bad, at least to be consistent. Right. And, uh, you know, as I said, it's been an entertaining series. It's been a good series. It's been a really good series. It has been. Um, we need a. We needed one. I I don't really know what to expect out of these next two games. Um, I think Boston's gonna probably. I think the Boston crowd is going to legitimately die. <laughs> Their first NBA Finals game in twelve years. I think they're gonna just go berserk. You might have someone storm the court. I don't know. It's gonna be wild in there. It's, it's gonna be loud. It's gonna be rocking. I wish I was going Friday. I wish I was there tonight. But have you looked into? Did you look into them and just kind of decided against it because you said you're going to Summer Jam this weekend? Yeah, prices are ridiculous. If prices weren't ridiculous, I'd be there, kind of thing. But prices are absolutely ridiculous for tickets right now. Yeah, but were you looking um, at probably? Obviously, I don't know where you're sitting. Probably looking at a four digit trip, at least. It would have been ridiculous. Like, yeah, it wasn't even worth worth looking at. <laughs> but you looked at, yeah, never mind. 
I'm just gonna it, I'm just gonna pack it up. Never mind. It was insane. I actually just looked at tickets before we get on for tonight's game, and there's still a ton available. Like it's gonna be sold out, but there's like a ton available mm-hmm. still, which I don't understand. So not really sure there, but I do for whatever reason. I believe I just have this feeling. I think Golden State wins tonight, and I think not to jump ahead here too much, but this is how I feel. If we're gonna talk about games three, four, and five, mm-hmm. I feel like Golden State. Wins tonight, and then we get back to back. I feel like game four and game five. If that happens, Golden State, regardless of who wins, but especially yeah. Golden State wins. I feel like games four and five will be. I don't want to say classics because you can't really forecast that, but I think there'll be, you know, some top notch games, mm-hmm. top notch games for sure. Um, I just want to say game two. The other thing that really stuck out to me in game two when I knew. Golden State was the tougher team and wanted it more. I forget if it was the third or fourth quarter. I know it was the second half, but uh, Wiggins and Grant Williams were battling for position on the side somewhere, like just like on a regular, I think, screen or something. Celtics are on offense. And Andrew Wiggins throws an elbow at Grant Williams, like, get off me. <laughs> you know, you know you're being out physical, or you know you're a less tougher team when Andrew Wiggins, you know, throwing Canadian. Throwing chicken wings. <laughs> throwing chicken wings, you know? Nice, polite Canadian, <laughs> nice, Maple polite Jordan, Canadian. Maple Jordan, Andrew Wiggins, Canadian, Canadian bacon, Wiggins, <laughs> Canadian bacon. So, you know, I expect a physical game tonight. I, f- I expect the Celtics come out tougher. I, for whatever reason, I don't know why, because, you know, this Golden State team, Curry really is, aside from Draymond doing what Draymond does, Curry's not getting really any help. I mean, Clay's given them nothing basically this series. Clay had 17, but that 17 is like you hear, like he came along, but Poole really hit two threes in the third and then in the fourth got like six or eight points. Like in that fourth, was already over. Like Poole really had like eight points. It was Curry and then everybody else is going to get single, if not. Wiggins has probably been his second best offensive player of the series. I'd agree with that. He's been, yeah, he's probably been the second best player overall. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that too because Draymond's game one was not good. Like Wiggins has been probably the second best player of this series, but it is one one. I expected it to be one one going to Boston, and I expect it to be two two leaving Boston. I expect the same. I I would say you know given the even though I picked Golden State tonight, given the help that Curry's not getting. There's a world where we're going back 3-1 back to Golden State. There's a world. John Williams predicts that. I personally don't. Like I said, I got I got 2-2 going back to Golden State, and then whatever happens in Game 5 will dictate the rest of the series, obviously. But, you know, I mean, we both said we expect a long series here, whether it's 6 or 7. Um, you I, know, I, I these are going to be 7. These are going to be good games. These are going to be good games regardless. Listen, Clay's going to show up. Clay's going to start in his legs and really all it takes is one game if he can have one good game in boston whether it's game three or four and you can get something out of jordan pool which is hard because boston hunts jordan pool on defense more than they do curry almost curry uh, well because curry has become a good defender like i'm yeah, not gonna say been I'm not, he's been solid he's always he's been solid but like you could hunt him out but like now that he's bigger like he's actually become a i would just say a good defender like obviously not great. Yeah. He's not going to make ever an all defensive team, but he's led the league in steals I think twice, obviously, and that's just him reading the passing lane and being quick and smart. But he's become a person who he can guard 
Like, if you see Jalen Brown on him for a possession, because Jalen Brown, especially because Jalen Brown's not a really a post guy, he's going to do his work on the outside, you're not like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. But if Jordan Poole's on Jalen Brown right now, it's like, okay, everybody move, get out of his way. This is two, if not three points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Curry's always been an active defender. He's always tried. He's not the, he's not the greatest defender. He's an adequate defender, you know, like you said. I think he's um, gotten to become like he's made himself into a good defender, like from like an anti average to like below average to average. And I think he's right now. I would put him at like mid level good defender. Like he, he doesn't, he'll not hurt you defensively. Yeah, uh, depending on the matchup. Well, I mean, but I mean, it's hard for I mean, for some people, like Jason Tatum's gonna post him up, and it's gonna just be difficult to do that. But Jason Tatum's gonna do that to ninety percent of the guards in the league. So, like, I just don't, I don't think he like actively hurt. Like, you don't look at Steph. He's like, oh man, that's gonna hurt you defensively at this point anymore. But I think he will. Obviously, it, he's not gonna be someone who's just gonna go out and lock somebody up. Right. I think the point I was getting at more so was like him, him, Clay, and Poole on the court. Poole being the worst out of the three. Yeah. Neither of the three right now are plus defenders, I would say. Like Curry, like you said, is a good defender. He is a good defender now, but he's not going to get you three or four stops in a row. Clay's not the defender he was before the injuries. Jordan Poole is just not a good defender right now, period. Mm-hmm. That puts a lot of pressure on Draymond. Uh, like game one, they gave Iggy some run. Then you're playing three on five on offense. I mean, Golden State just has such limitations. Um, you know, they're just I can't help but keep going back to like how not great of a team they are. You know what I mean? Like they're a good team. They're a really good team, but they're not a great team. They're not a great finals team. And then you got Boston, who I think is a great team, but potential to be same, a great team. They just right, have potential to be a great team. They have lapses, right? They're looking at they. They kind of look back like they did before January. Not so much because they can hit elite levels, and as we saw, they can just take you out of the game. Mm-hmm. As we as we seen versus Golden State, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami, all all four rounds. Yeah, for um, sure. But they're probably. I mean, as we as we've talked about statistically, they've been the best team since since mid January, mid to late January. So I mean. There's greatness there. There's a world where, like I said, where they just kind of run away with this series. But will they do that? That's the question. See, uh, you know, like Rob's, the- Rob's hurt here every every other quarter. Uh, you know, a healthy a healthy Rob Williams really does flip this series. Like if he's healthy, he's such a difference maker. He's such a defensive player of the year level player. You know, some people would even argue he's a better defender than Marcus Smart all around for the team. It's, I it's do. Hard. It's hard not to. Argue. It's hard not to argue that because, you know, when he's right, it's 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 extremely hard to score on this team. And he's he's about 65, 70 percent right now. Um, still effective. Like he's a but. better go bear. Like I like in my personal opinion, like when I did the all defensive teams this year, he was on my all defensive first team because I went through and did like everything. And it's because. Like Gobert, Gobert changes your shot at the rim, yes. But if you get Gobert on the outside at the three, you can you can toy with him because he's just not laterally quick enough. But Rob Williams, you get on the three, even on whatever guard, you're like, okay, I'm fine this possession. Like I'm, I'm okay. Like obviously a guard can get by him, but his recovery his recovery time plus his length 
can still make that shot at the rim difficult. Plus, he's going to contest the three. What like Rob Williams has no holes defensively. Even though Rudy Gobert is a great, great inside rim protector, he still has holes defensively because, especially in this pick and roll kind of motion offenses, you see a lot of times he can get caught out of position, and that's a problem. Yeah, once you get Gobert out of the paint. Obviously, yeah, he has his deficiencies. But I mean, he's um, still a great, great defender. I'm not trying to make it seem like he's not, but like I just think yeah. Robert Williams All is a more complete. Right. Yeah, he's Robert Williams is just a more complete defender. So I just that's why yeah. I think he's a better defender because he's more complete with it. I'd agree with that. I think tonight's going to tell us a lot because I agree between the holes in Gold State's team and you know Boston being at home, being the younger team, being the more inexperienced team. As far as finals goes, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, they showed that stat right in the first minutes of game one. I think it was 129 games played in the finals mm-hmm. for Golden State to zero yes. for the Celtics. And now I'm not even kidding. Like, I want to sound like I'm backing off my team or anything because it's not. But as soon as I saw that stat, I was like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> this might not be in the cards for us. You know what I mean? No, I there are like, reasons I'm- why each team could win the series. Like, I think the Warriors are more of a consistent team. Like, you know, kind of know what you're going to get out of them. But they also have their lapses, too. I'm not trying to say they don't. But, like, I think I they're, say, I think they're I a little bit more consistent. I think they're a little bit more consistent in Boston. I, 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 can't, I can't say that about a team that lost by 55 in the playoffs. Yeah, they um, have a lapse. But, I mean, like, they're more... I think they're a little bit more consistent than Boston is. I would say. I think that's personally me. I think they're a little bit more consistent and they are, I don't know, they're obviously more experienced and I think their experience helps them throughout. I think their experience and a little bit more consistency was really kind of some of the points of why I think they're going to win the series. Yeah, I would definitely give them the not experience-wise. Experience is where experiences, you know, how I think they would win the series, you know, especially if it gets to a game seven, which ironically I picked the Celtics in seven, right? But they're a better road team than a home team somehow. Right. Yeah. 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 Because they're yeah, three and four Celtics. at home over the last two series. Like they've lost two home games in each of the series, which is why and the Warriors have won twenty six straight twenty six straight series if won a road game, which is why I think you could pretty much book one of these games to the Warriors three, four, or six. Yeah, Warriors have been tough at home too. They haven't I don't think I think aside from I think game one was the first game they lost at it home. It was. All playoffs. And uh Boston's Boston throughout the regular season into the playoffs has been great on the road. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the reason why I say I can't trust the you know I wouldn't call the Warriors consistent because you know I think Poole and Thompson have been anything but this postseason you know what I mean you get them in spurts Curry's pretty much been their only constant Draymond you know he's basically playing one end you know what I mean he refuses to shoot the ball uh so for you game know, one, fact, he took twelve shots. I mean, he went two of twelve, but he took twelve shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah he took he took twelve. <laughs> he took twelve, um, but it wasn't a good twelve. He missed ten of them. You know, ironically, I said ironically again, but ironically, I think Wiggins has been their second most consistent player all postseason. He's the one you'd figure to be the most inconsistent. Like you know, I said that coming into the series that Wiggins is bound to give you a game where you forget he's on the court. But you know, you combine all that. That's where I think the Warriors are inconsistent. You know what I mean? Because that's that's a team that, you know, the first two months of the year, 
they looked like the prohibited favorite in the West, you know, for mm-hmm. a little bit. And then, you know, Phoenix really took off. And, you know, who knows? I think I said this before we got on the phone. Or I might have said this beginning. I can't remember. But, you know, the Grizzlies have John Morant. Who knows where we are? The Suns, the Suns don't take a shit in that game seven. Who knows where we are with, uh, with Golden State. But the Suns did, in fact, take a shit in that game seven. Uh, several shits in that game seven. Who knows what the fuck happens to them from now on? But uh, you know, I just, you know, I just look at this Warriors team, and I, you know, sometimes I'm like, how is this team in the finals? Granted, they're good. They're 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 an elite Western team this year. You know what I mean? But like this, if you compared it to the other championship teams of the past. Even you know, you take Durant from those teams. It's the worst take, Warriors iteration. It's yeah, the worst iteration by, of the Warriors by far. By far, I was gonna say because the first one, the the thing about their first, like the one you would compare it to, would be their 2015 team. And the thing about that one is, you had a more consistent Clay Thompson, better defending Clay Thompson. You had a more actively offensive Draymond Green, Wiggins, and on. You had a more savvy guy in Andre Iguodala. Honestly, Wiggins is giving you pretty much what Iggy gave you, just not the playmaking, which is kind of which is a little bit part of it too. So Iggy would be a little bit better than Wiggins throughout that run. And then their bench was just more consistent. A little bit more consistent. So no, yeah, this is I mean, the worst a, what that was a sixty six win team, you know? So they were yeah, they no, were on their shit that year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say they were amazing that year for sure. As I was saying this year they probably could have reached close to sixty if Draymond doesn't get hurt for that three months period because I know we they're just a completely different team without Draymond. But they weren't again, they're not the they're not as good as the twenty fifteen Warriors. And as we both said, if the Warriors do end up winning the series, then it's gonna be scary for the league because they will be better next year than they will be this year, in my opinion. Because yeah, them, re- them returning the same team will be better next year than they will be this year. It'll be scary for sure. Give me a prediction. Give me a specific prediction for game three. And then I want... Yeah, give me your first year prediction for game three. Um, I got the Warriors winning one oh like one oh six to one oh two. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think they'll make a few plays down the stretch and I think Curry just remains the best player on the floor. Like obviously like he's the best player in the series, but I think tonight he will still be the best player on the floor, even though I think Tatum comes to the party and plays well. I don't want to sound like I'm hedging here. But as I've said, I kind of got a feeling the Warriors are gonna win. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'll be one or two things. I feel like I feel like if the Warriors win, I feel like Boston comes out, smacks them in the mouth, all that, all that adrenaline, that home crowd's gonna be going crazy, crazy, crazy tonight. Yeah. I feel like they're gonna come out that first quarter, be the better team. And I think Golden State eventually just wins. You know, I could see like an eight point win by Golden mm-hmm. State, right? I, I see them, see them like closing it out, basically. You know, it's great that first three three and a half quarters up until the four minute mark and then golden state kind of pulls away mm-hmm. other thing i see if that doesn't happen i see a celtics blowout I see a celtics blowout and then that would set up you know a very desperate game four for the warriors yeah you know so i don't know like if the celtics win they win big if the warriors win they win close that makes sense because the that's, celtics that's the I- celtics off of a loss this year or like 
winning by 15 and a half points, which is like fifth most all time. So like they're act, they've been very good off a loss in the playoffs this year. So that is on the table because they that's just how they have been. But at the same time, the Warriors play very well on the road too. And you never know, you could get one of those Steph games where it doesn't matter who's on him. Or you could finally get a clay game where you're like, oh, there's the other Splash brother. It's not just one brother, it's two. So, I mean, obviously the Warriors have a way to win this game. Clearly, we both have them in the game. If we had to, if we had to bet our lives on it, we wouldn't bet our lives on it. But if we had to make a bet, we would bet the Warriors. But they're obviously they're If the Celtics win, I think they win decent, like comfortably, at least. Yeah, I think regardless of the outcome tonight, I think I think Game Four is going to be a close one. I think Game Four is going to be a battle. Uh, game five as well. And then, you know, that's going to set the tone. Games three and four in Boston are definitely going to set the tone for those critical five, six, and seven games. Yeah. You know, we expect a split, but like I said previously, would not be surprised at all if Boston walks out of here 3-1. And, uh, you know, Golden State's backs all the way against the wall. And if, they do, and if they do walk out of here 3-1, I still think that it would go seven. Because in game five, I couldn't see especially with how good of a home team the Warriors are I could not see them losing game five so Boston could but Boston obviously could win at home in six I'm not saying they couldn't but I do I think it would go I think it could go seven two even if it went down three one I would not feel as confident in it obviously but I still think they could go from three one to game seven in Golden State and then that game would be bananas We'll see. We'll and it would see. only be fitting if the Warriors came back from a 3-1 deficit and then won Game 7 in their home at their home floor. It would only be fitting. Tell you what, if they're going to win anything at all, they need something from one of Poole or Thompson. Because if they're getting nothing from both the rest of the series, Boston's going to, you know, just by default run away with it. They need to combine for 32-plus points a game. However that comes, doesn't matter but they need to combine for like 32 plus points a game pool in Thompson. They got to start shooting the ball. Well, they're getting mm-hmm. good. Look, they're getting good looks. It's- uh, you know, Boston, they, you know, they just got to keep it consistent on defense. I really do like what I see from them as far as, you know, games one and two, they're getting easy shots. They can get whatever they want on offense. Are those shots going to fall game one? They did. Uh, especially in the fourth quarter, game two they just went ice cold, which was which was kind of crazy. Uh, you know, if they make half of those shots, even you know, or you know, a little more of those shots, it's a different ball game. At least puts a little pressure on Golden State. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't know. I'm really interested. It's such a weird series, yet a good series. Um, I'm still trying to find the rhythm of it. Like you know, game one not being that physical, it was a nice up and down game. Mm-hmm. Still had some physicality. They obviously played hard. Uh, game two being the more physical game, excuse me. Uh, you know, I think we see more of that. I think the physicality is only going to raise. Obviously, the stakes are going to raise each game. Uh, so I don't know. We'll really see what this Boston team's made of being there. You know, mostly I want to say younger players. They're they're kind of seasoned for being young players, but yeah, young young inexperienced finals players for sure. Yes. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see this. One thing that I did want to point out too was it's not a great sign for Warriors fans 
that Clay Thompson in the fourth quarter still couldn't buy a shot. Like, it reminded me, thinking of 2015, obviously Curry in game one and two, Delavadova did a good job on him, and Curry wasn't the most efficient in games one and two. He didn't shoot great. Game three was the same thing, but at the end of game three, he went on a barrage to bring them back to almost like pull them into striking distance close at the end of the game. It was like too little too late. But that game three really sparked his four, five, and six. And through those last three games, he shot, I think, like 45 to 50% from three and 29 points a game roughly around there. So it, it kind of like that got him into a little bit of a rhythm going into game four, even though they were down 2-1. Clay Thompson going like pretty much over in the fourth quarter because they kept him in for like seven minutes to try to get him in rhythm and he's just soaking by a bucket does not does not bode well does not look great. Yeah, I mean, sorry, he, uh, you know, like I said before the season, you know, come if you miss two and a half years, you know, it's gonna be. No matter how long you play, it's going to be extremely hard to come of back. Course. Oh, that's why, of course, that's why I was that's why I was not bullish on this comeback at all, as far as consistency, you know. And uh, there was times during the regular season where it'd be like, "Oh shit, Clay's back!" You know, you'd see him attack the rim, mm-hmm. you'd see him, you'd see him go on a on a on a scoring stretch. But you know, the the way Durant came back from an Achilles is, you know, I think only him. Yeah, it is. That's why I was, you know, you were so bullish on Clay, and I'm like, man, it's, I was Durant's one thing, but Durant's Durant. You know what I mean? Kevin Durant's Durant got, made me confident because of what Clay Thompson's game is. Like, if it was John Morant coming back off of that, I would have been less. But I thought because Clay Thompson, obviously, you use your legs to shoot, but obviously, so does Kevin Durant. But using your, but him being a shooter. I didn't think he was going to be the same defensively, but I thought by like the finals you would have gotten about ninety percent of what Clay Thompson it was like before pre-entry. I thought offensively you could get you would get ninety percent, and honestly, on a given night, consistently you're getting about fifty about sixty-five percent of Clay Thompson, and then he's giving you spurts. Of like ninety five percent, Clay Thompson, like game six against or game five against the Mavericks, game six against the uh, Grizzlies. Those are games where you're like, oh, that's Clay. That's that's Clay. I remember him. He's a pretty good player. But then you see him go four of nineteen from the floor with good looks, and you're like, ah, man, I don't know who that is. That's just some dude named Clay. Yeah, you get you get glimpses, but. You know, I mean, when you haven't played pretty much long before the pandemic, mm-hmm. six months before the pandemic was the last time he played, or even more than that, like eight months, you know, I don't know. I was never really, never really bullish on it. And, you know, it shows. And it seems like he's thinner. I don't know. Like, Durant, the only two players to really come back well from an Achilles and, like, keep it up is Durant and probably Dominique Dominique, Wilkins. yeah. Um, no, so I just let's see. I guess I guess Durant being the most recent one, I had confidence that Clay could at least get it back, mostly offensively. Defensively, I was never. Defensively, I thought he could still go from being a very very good defender to being a pretty good defender. But and he's played pretty solid defense. He's just obviously a step slower and still hasn't gotten his legs under him. Still hasn't trusted his legs as much. So like he's clearly not the same defender he was. But I just thought he could be 
more consistent offensively. It's pretty much what I was more more bullish on. And you know what? The more the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm talking myself into a Celtics win tonight because it's just like where, where are they getting these points? You know, because they're going to need they need some sort of some sort of jolt somewhere. You know what I mean? GP he gave them some minutes, mm-hmm. which helped. We brought the physicality, always brings them energy. Uh, you know, I just don't know. This series is so hard to forecast, really. It and is. Uh, in a world where maybe Golden State was a less experienced Finals team, you know, it would make sense to pick Boston because really every advantage you would say. Aside from Curry, you know, because Curry's just his own advantage in a sense. You know, every other advantage goes to Boston, really. The way the series uh, is going now, if the Warriors do win, it's really just a testament to kind of how great Curry is. Like, he's already he's like averaging like 32 points for the series so far. Like, he's played very well. So, like, it's just, it's going to show would, how great he is. I would is. say Steve Kerr, too. Oh, oh, 100%. 100% Steve Kerr as well, because Steve Kerr... Steve Kerr is like Eric Spolstra is another one that just comes to mind. Greg Popovich is the same way. Everybody on the bench has a chance to play. Like that's a legitimate thing. Like in the fi- it doesn't matter where. Like Moses Moody wasn't getting minutes for the entire playoffs. They're like, you know what? Let's play him against Dallas and he gets actually important minutes. Does well in them, but it's just like they have a like those kind of coaches who trust their players have a great feel for the game and a great understanding of what they have in their arsenal. So they're like, okay, I need some athletic wing defending. I can put you here. I need some rim running here. I got some energy. I can put you here. Like, like great coaches understand that so much. And those are the little things that coaching sometimes can be overlooked because of the greatness of stars. Yeah, Bielinka gave him good minutes in game two as well. Yes. Uh, he's always he's I like Bielinka. He's a good player. He's a good player. But uh, he just he just knows how to play. He's just a professional. Essentially, he just comes in, does his job, knows he can shoot, can put the ball on the ground a little bit too. It's he just knows how to play. Day by day, we get closer to the NBA offseason. I'm looking forward to it. I'm forecasting a dramatic NBA offseason, which what new? But I think it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be a really dramatic one. We've already got. Some good things popping off, you know, whether it's these Kyrie rumors, uh, whether it's, you know, Miles Bridges drinking lean, posting it to Instagram with a blunt. Uh, Rudy uh, Gobert is in talks. Uh, the Bulls are in talks with Rudy Gobert a little bit, which is interesting, too, because if they get Rudy Gobert next year, they're going to be looking even better. So things like talk. that could be moved. How are they? T- he's not a free agent, is he? No, it'd be a trade. Like the Bulls are eyeing like a trade with for Rudy Gobert. Like I, I got, oh, I, I got a report on it. I read it a little bit. Like they're eyeing a trade with. It. Sorry, I said in talks with Rudy Gobert as if like there's a free agent in talks with Utah about trading for Rudy Gobert. I should say. Hmm. Have to see how true that is. I don't, I don't think Rudy Gobert goes anywhere this year. I could see Donovan Mitchell being moved. Um, the All Star Game being in Utah makes it so it's kind of iffy if he gets moved this year. I don't know if anything really has to do with that. I see them shaking it up, especially with them having Danny Ainge really big in that front office, and he, you know, he is Trader Danny. That was his name in Boston. So I mean, if it's one of the two, I could just see him keeping Rudy just off defensive impact. Donovan Mitchell's obviously the more talented player, but you know. I don't know. I could see them really trying to build the team around Colbert and then maybe making the team more whole, you know what I mean, as far as scoring-wise, because you'd have to replace Donovan Mitchell's scoring. But that's really interesting. I, I do see 
if not a breakup, some sort of shakeup. Obviously, Quinn Snyder st- uh, stepped down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm real interested to see what they look like. Um, like I said, the Kyrie rumors. <laughs> what else we got? We got Philly. Philly's got a lot going on over there. Yeah, obviously, you never know what's going like. Just Ben Simmons, the human being, I mean, is annoying, but at the same time, it's interesting to know, like, is he going to be an able-bodied human? Is Zion going to be an able-bodied human? Like, what are the are these people going to actually, are we going to see them on the court this year? It's the interesting question. You would think yes, but we never know with those two. Zion, I believe we'll see, because, I mean, he's... We saw he was healthy doing 360 dunks through the legs and shit like that. So You would assume, well, but then you never know. He could just manage to tweak his back or he's just overweight and so he's out for six months. I, I don't <laughs> know because he went from, I thought, I drafted him in fantasy because I was like, oh, hey, Zion's going to be back probably by a couple, I think they said a couple weeks, then they said early December, then they said after the All-Star break, then he was just out for the year. And it was like, well, what happened? We haven't seen what what happened. Where did he go? Yeah, they had a setback. They said he had a setback at some point, like mid mid year. But then after that, like especially <laughs> before the playoffs, he definitely he could have gave them 15, 20 minutes in the playoffs for sure. You he's doing he's doing three sixty dunks through the legs dunks. He he's all right. But yeah, as I say, and he could have not that they, not that I think they would have, but. I mean, they did take when Devin Booker did go out. They did already take Phoenix to six. You have someone like Zion who can give you a great twenty. I could give you 20, fifteen to twenty minutes of just being athletic. Like that could have honestly altered the series. I don't think they would have won, but they would have a better chance of winning. Would have made it tougher on him. Oh, for Definitely. sure. I mean, it took Chris Paul going fourteen of fourteen from the field to beat them because that game was still close the entire game. Chris Paul, like he needed all those fourteen shots to really ice it. Also, want to talk some NFL soon because uh, you know Browns Browns might be regretting uh, their QB situation quite a bit. <laughs> I was talking with it today with a coworker. Sean <laughs> Watson is a wild guy. <laughs> Like he was with something yeah. with like Mia Khalifa, like <laughs> Buddy is a wild man. <laughs> Sixty six yeah, allegations now. <laughs> what? Some might, some might call that a, a sexual predator, but uh, yeah, I'm trying he, to be a very I'm trying to be very light about the situation as much as I can because yes, it is a sexual predator, but yeah, wild Deshaun, guy. <laughs> Deshaun Watson is a is a bit of a sickle. We'll say that. We'll say that. Uh, Keenan, by the way, I keep forgetting to do this keep plug your podcast before we go here the locked in podcast is a podcast that i had started i got a couple episodes out now had some technical difficulties with the camera and everything that i'm trying to get going but the locked in podcast will be available on youtube on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify locked in podcast what's it about um the locked in podcast is a little extension of this kind of, I'm going to be talking sports on it for sure. It's also kind of be looking, it's kind of going to be more like life based too. Cause I'm going to talk relationships and I'll have Danny on talk about that too, but more it's going have to your be girlfriend what having Danny, your girlfriend on. Yeah. Danny, my girlfriend. on. All right. So like I'll be talking uh, relationships there as well. Obviously, I'll be talking music because I love music, and I'll be talking sports as well. But it's kind of going to be, it's going to be about my life, but also opening up 
I mean, kind of just about my life, more opening up myself. Not that I don't do it here, but just more aspects of me. Gotcha. Gotcha. And uh, when can we find the next episode of that? Next episode of the Locked In Podcast, I'm hoping to be next Thursday. Awesome. So I'm hoping this upcoming Thursday I should be able to get that as well. So if you want more for more information, just follow me at Jacob Willingham Music. But more importantly, follow us too at the Warner Brothers Podcast on Instagram because we're still obviously dropping great content. Kyle's gone ISO a few times himself. We're waiting on a solo maybe from Kyle too at some point. I don't know. There will be plenty of Warner Brothers related content within the coming years for sure. Coming yes. months, but uh, love to hear it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, listen, we're gonna get out of here. Game one, or sorry, game three is <laughs> game about to one. start. <laughs> about to start here in about ninety minutes. So we're gonna get out of here. Get this uploaded for y'all. By the time y'all hear this, it'll be after game three. Mm-hmm. So, or unless you're the, unless you're dedicated, you'll hear it right at the beginning of game three. You can listen to it as you're right. watching the game. To I listen think- to it. Con- um, currently with uh, the first quarter yes honestly but. also just want to say i think he's back today mike breen welcome back i hope you're Mitch. i hope i was gonna say i hope health wise you're doing much better i know jeff van gundy even sounded a little rough on the last telecast so hope he's doing better too mark jones did a great job i like mark jones a lot but mike breen Shouts welcome back Shouts to mark jones listen we're out of here warner brothers podcast will you will be back after game four at some point. So we will talk to you next week. Keenan, great talking to you. Good talking to you too.